Pantheria. Welcome to this episode of Dad Bod After Dark. I'm mm. Jake. Mm. I'm Eric. I'm Cameron. Mm. Hey guys, how's it going? Mm. I mean, it's going. So I've got some big news. Big news, okay. Big news. Um, and I, I kind of hesitate to bring this up because, yeah, Eric's, <laughs> Eric's doing it. <laughs> but last time I came into work and I was bragging about potty training a kid and so saying, say oh, having I'm a done job. diapers, my wife said, oh yeah, I'm pregnant the very next month. But, yeah. so our third I remember. and this final momentous. child. Wait, hold on, hold on. And final Back up, because I... Did she just say that? No. What? No, I... he's recapping. Oh, you're recap. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. way back when, when our second was potty trained, I came in bragging and saying, hey, I'm, I'm not going to change any diapers anymore. A month or two later, my wife said, guess what? So I had to eat like the biggest bowl of humble pie at the office. So at the risk of, you know, jinxing myself, our third went poop in the potty three times today. So we may want to get that huge. checked out. Big deal. That's a big I deal. I want to get that checked out. <laughs> so... In April, she was so excited she got a reward each time, so she's gonna, you know, poop a little bit five times a day now. So is April gonna Smart. your wife gonna hold off a few weeks and then tell you something? Let you <laughs> yeah, exactly. let you bask in the glory that is having a fully potty trained household before giving you some other news? No, exactly. That's just how the universe works. <laughs> well, that is that is big news. I'm I'm happy for you, man, because you're gonna save so much money. I know. In diapers. Yeah. I know. It's at least 50 bucks a month. Oh, yeah. it's a huge raise. We got our raise in July. We're so happy. <laughs> we got our raise. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny, speaking of, I guess, kid milestones, um, my daughter, she's had loose teeth and she's had teeth missing out. But tonight, she's had this one front tooth just dangling for days. And... We were like, this thing's coming out tonight. And it was like that if you ever watch SpongeBob SquarePants where they start doing something and then it cuts and it says four hours later and then they're still doing the same thing. That's how I felt getting this tooth pulled out tonight. But by God, it happened. She got the the tooth pulled out. She pulled it out by herself. Um, So that's one milestone out of the way. I've only got 13 other teeth that have come out yet. So, our yeah. youngest is kind of moving into his own room, not his own, mm-hmm. into his brother's room. The past couple nights, it's kind of shifting. Is it going well? Uh, so last night he fell asleep with my wife, and then she carried him in. He stayed there till five. Woke up, was like, "What is happening, mom?" Yeah. Um, and so he fell asleep in there tonight. So we'll see. Good how it goes. That's awesome. How long do you get bump, bunk beds? Oh, the boys have bunk a uh, bunk bed system. Oh, they got them already. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My dad custom built it. 
it's solid. Well, I don't want to ever have to move because then we have to move that thing. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's a load bearing bed now, right? Like it's part of the yeah, structure. It, it's on the second story and load bearing. <laughs> yeah. If there's Most an good. earthquake, we're all going to jump into that. Or flood. And survive. Or flood. Yeah. Or fire. What can't it do? Riots, revolution, whatever. Yeah. It will withstand. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, if, so, it's on the, if it's on the top floor, it can also, you know, double as a sniper nest too. You know, things things get bad in the world. Just doesn't have doesn't have good line of sight. Mm. So, I mean, you know, what can you what, do? What can you do? I mean, <laughs> so uh, I don't know. It's been a few weeks since we've met and uh, and podcasted. Yeah. So nothing else has happened in the world since then, right? Nothing. I'll tell you quiet. what happened in my life. Big, big things. I got to go to Boise, Idaho this past week. And I totally uh, lost the audio on that. It's just, it just sounded like Boise. Boy, and then you came back. But I know you went yeah. to Boise, Idaho. So yeah. And let me tell you, it's it's just as exciting as you would think it would be. It's wild. Um, well, it wasn't. Uh, Ammon Bundy there? Well, here's the thing. So I went there for a work trip on Monday and flew up Monday morning. I uh, got in around noon. So they're getting uh, cell phones uh, in Idaho now? Yeah, but there are no touch screens yet. I mean, it's all still flip phones. Uh, but uh, yeah, I went up there and there's a couple sites I had to do some work on. And so I did that on Monday throughout the evening. And then Tuesday, I... I in the morning, I was on a couple of calls and, and did some work on my computer in the hotel before I checked out. And then I had a couple hours to kill. And, and so I'm like, well, let me go drive around. And so I went up to the Capitol and I'm in there. And it's it's a nice Capitol. Um, but I'm like, man, there's a lot of police officers here. Like, and I get, there's always police officers at a Capitol. But like everywhere I went, there's just... Okay, you can hold oh, on to your singers. Not the capital. You can hold until I finish my story, and then you can go <laughs> off on your rant. Um, and I'm like, man, there's police officers. I'm like, I'm like, I was just shocked that there were so many police officers. And then as I was getting ready, and I, I got to the airport, and I was looking on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, well, that's because on Monday, the day I flew in, Ammon Bundy had stormed the Capitol with a bunch of protesters trying to shut down the state of emergency, which... If Idaho's in a state of emergency, nobody told them because it's like, <laughs> it's pretty loose up there. There's no mask requirements. There's no, as far as I could tell, social distancing. And it was just like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know. Um, okay. But I, Idaho's nice. Boise's pretty. The capital's yeah. okay. <clears throat> and I forgot all about Ammon Bundy until I checked out that Tuesday afternoon. So that was my I mean, big excitement. I, I, I was going to cut you off and ask you if you went to go see the Smurf turf because that's the one and only thing I know about Boise. Oh, Boise State. You know, yeah. I was my hotel was right by the university there. It was right by Boise State University. Um, but no, I didn't. I didn't go on the campus at all. But um, I drove by it a couple times when I was um, doing the work I was doing for the sites I was on. But. Um, it's a pretty campus, but no, I didn't. I didn't go to the stadium. I should have. Mm. I should have made that a point. I did because my children required it of me that I had to buy them gifts. So I bought Marcus a 
Boise State football and likes in like a Boise State um, plush pillow thing. So, nice. yeah, but um, yeah, Boise's nice. That's it's all right. That's I wonder my... if it's still true that like Idaho has Idaho has the most millionaires per capita mm-hmm. of any other state. Well, there's a lot of money in potatoes. Everybody knows that. There's a lot of money in land. There's the a lot of land gentry. up there. Yeah, yeah, the, the gentry in Idaho. Well, I don't know. That might not be true anymore because I remember when the natural gas boom with South Dakota and North Dakota, there was a bunch of money being made there yeah. um, with all the fracking and, and, st- and stuff like that. I noticed something a couple days ago. Um, when wearing a mask, I remember back in May, I, I kept putting a mask on. And for the two of us that are Wheel of Time fans, I kept thinking like, oh, I'm an Aiel putting my mask on before I go oh, into yeah. battle. Yeah, loping into the Safeway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, except the other day I was wearing a mask. It was a different mask, right? Mm-hmm. One that was a little bit more cut to my face. But I took it off the one ear, right, and let it hang off the other one. And then I went to go put it on. And I'm just like, oh, I'm Maverick from Top Gun now. Oh like every gosh. time I put the mask, I'm like, I should have gotten like a helmet and an oxygen mask type thing to wear around. It just said like Maverick on the top. Can't be too safe. Yeah, yeah. no, you you should have done that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still can. <laughs> you should, well, then that's your new goal. Do that. Just, Get that every particular time I mask. Put that mask up. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm I'm awesome. Made me feel something. Yeah, you should do that because the next time you go into your gourmet gas station, they're like, "This guy is—he's a Top Gun. He's—he's he's the best of the best." Just going to be playing the Top Gun theme. Mm. You know, the opening. You did say theme. that is your walk-in music. It was True. that's you know, your. It was my wedding walk-in music. Do you was remember it? that? Yeah, I was there. I don't remember that. I at the wedding or at the reception. I just re-remembered it last week. At the reception, not the wedding. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she was walking down the aisle to the Top Gun theme. No. <laughs> yeah, the pastor's like, scary. what music do you want? I'm like, Top Gun, just bring it home. <laughs> we can well, do that on the organ. I did Thunderstruck. That's right. For my wedding with Bree. That's right. She walked down the aisle of Thunderstruck. I know you were pretty nervous that day for me, Eric, but it, it happened. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I pressed play on the iPod, right? Or... <laughs> yeah, you, you're my best man. That was you your job. That, right? Yeah, you nailed it. Really, so. I mean, it was all about you, Eric. It wasn't about Jake or his wife. Yeah, well, he was really your day. He was really the best are. man. The best. Yeah. There's no better man in this room than myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And your speech reflected that. It was unbelievable. Did it? I have no idea. I didn't write yeah. it down. Did I? No, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good speech. Trust me. You, did, you a, knocked it out of the Someone point. got a video of it? I want to see it. I should see. I don't, I don't know if we did ever get a video of any of the speeches. Because we didn't too bad. pay for a photographer. Josh would be the go-to on that. He might, he might have had it. That's a good point. So, 
I, uh, I do really appreciate the Instagram post. Did you? Oh my gosh. Cause I that, didn't, that was good. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't know even how I came across cause I haven't been checking Instagram much lately. It's usually on dad bod history. So I flipped mm-hmm. over and I just read the caption and it said, happy birthday to this old guy. I'm like, Oh cool. Like this for his son. And I didn't look at the, I scrolled down. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't look at the pictures. They're like, wait a minute. That didn't look like Marcus. <laughs> no. And there was me. Yeah. So baby looking. Some of your yeah. finest moments in those photos like, as well. I think half of those are from the same weekend. Yeah. In St. Well, Louis. A, well, a couple of them were I just from feel that. Like they and were. then a couple of them were from our 21st. And then I think one or two is from the cabin. As well, so yeah, no, it was but, it was uh, it was excellent. Yeah, was excellent. good time. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was it was very fun for me to do that because the way I framed it, like you said, happy birthday, happy birthday to this little fella, and everyone think, oh, he's doing it for his son. Yeah, because my son and Eric share the same birth date, and so yeah, we do. Yeah, and and of, now I've got another. A lot of greatness. Our buddy Trace day. had his baby this past Friday. Yep. So, so, I mean, it's a good day is all I'm saying. It was a good day. It was actually so, really Eric, great. Go ahead. I got a question. Now Now that we're inside a year from your 40th birthday, I mean. And shut your pretty little mouth. How? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going to be a diva about it. That's, that's the first thing I was going to ask. Um, what... Uh, you got any plans for that? Are you gonna you gonna try to do it big or what? Because I, I feel I'm, like that's I, a big. That's way bigger. That's the biggest birthday since twenty one, right? I would think so. I just need to survive, right? Like at this point, maybe we have to throw you the party. Maybe that's what it is. All right, let's Why just let's see if we can make it there, okay? And okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe Sorry, maybe my daughter is, uh, no, it's okay. I understand. Maybe Cameron, that's something that we have to plan for him because knowing Eric, he won't do anything for himself. That's fine. You know, he'll just so say. We I meant go. to we meant to go to a cabin this weekend, but the air quality in California was so bad from these mm-hmm. fires. Um, they actually sent us an email last week. They're like, "Yeah, it's so bad. Like, if you want to cancel." You can. It won't be a fee. If you want to upgrade or, or move it, you can do that. No problem. So I called him. Lady was so nice about it. I'm like upgraded cabin. So we'll go in October. But um, yeah, like I said, we went to a bar that was closed. But we know the owner. So they we just hung out in there like 12 of us or something and just drank some free booze. It was good. Hmm. That's awesome. That's cool. Thanks for inviting me. It was kind of short notice. I, I mean, I <clears throat> tried. No, it's all right. I get it. We did you go. Know, you know, Nick flew from Hawaii for my birthday one year. And oh, he, he picked did? him up, Jake. Oh, is that down here? Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> was that the 
that wasn't the birth that wasn't my first year down here was it no because no because he was you weren't living with us when this happened okay so he flew in the night before you picked him up and you just brought him to school with you the next day oh and he was just in amy's room to surprise me yeah Obviously, Nick's not here with us tonight, so... No. Whatever. Yeah, forget him. You're cool. So, all right, well, what else? I don't know what else. What? Sports? Want to talk about sports? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they're back, and then they're gone, so... I know. <laughs> and then they're back, and we don't... I, I do not know. I'm, I'm trying to keep up with sports, but it's just... It's so hard work you've got to sift through on espn all the political stuff all the this and that i literally had to look up a nba bracket the other day for the um, oh for the playoffs playoffs. because i just felt like so much time had gone by i know the bucks are good i know the lakers are good i know the clippers are good that's about really all i know about the nba season Mm -hmm. is it's a three-horse race right i mean Damian Lillard had a couple big games, but yeah, maybe Toronto. Toronto's been playing pretty good in the East, but yeah, yeah. the Suns did great. They did as good as they could have, and if they got a little help, they would have made it. Yeah, so a little help from the Bucks, but sorry. Yeah, what was that a thing? Oh, my yeah, gosh. the Bucks are the know. Nets. All they had to do was whatever. <clears throat> I'm over. Yeah, it, obviously. So as of yesterday, all the games resumed, right? They did yes. the walkout. They did the boycott. Now the games are resumed, and we're back on. Yeah, the- yeah now we, it's we, back. We solved racism, and uh, yeah, we're back to no longer a thing. Good. Mm-hmm. How yep. do we solve racism again? We're, we're opening up voting polls at each of the arenas. I don't know. Well, I know, and here's what's interesting with the boycott, specifically with the Bucks, is after that walkout, they um, had a conversation with the Attorney General of the state of Wisconsin, who's leading the investigation into the Jacob Blake shooting. Because the in Lieutenant Wisconsin, Governor. in Wisconsin, like 12 years ago, a kid was shot and killed by cops in Kenosha, I believe. And as a result of that um, event, because the the police in that event had cleared themselves within 48 hours, the father of that kid spent 10 years trying to pass legislation, which just got passed a couple years ago, that basically says police departments may not, in the state of Wisconsin, investigate Mm -hmm. themselves. So to keep this in mind, somebody took 10 years to push legislation to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. And so now Kenosha PD cannot investigate itself, which is why Wisconsin Attorney General and at the state level is is doing the investigation. So yeah, yeah, they're that, that's like of a really good move that they made, and I wish more states would do something similar. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know that happened. Then they had a conversation with the lieutenant governor. The Bucks did. I, I'm saying, and the and the team did. And then um, the Packers jumped on board and they said, well, we're going to donate another. They've already donated like half a million to social justice. Um, and they're like, we'll do another quarter million. They're going to open up. They're going to open up. Uh, to social justice. Well, I don't know what a specific group. Uh, and, and so. But. Yeah. They're also going to open up their parking lot. Um, 
as polling center in Green Bay. And I think the Brewers are doing something like that as well. So while I can't say league-wide or nationwide, what good is it to do a boycott? I can say it's affecting change in the state of Wisconsin specifically. And supposedly, because the state legislature has been um, in recess the past few months, they're going to come back out of recess and supposedly they're going to bring some sort of, I don't know, legislation or they're going to at least start discussing what they could do to to kind of address this issue. Um, in the state of Wisconsin, I do think there is some change to be had there that would not have happened had the Bucks not done what they did. Do you mean like policy change yeah. from, from police departments specifically? Well, policy change from the state of Wisconsin um, as a whole. Just how and they prosecute. I, yeah, kind of how they deal. If there's things, you know, one of the things in Kenosha is they didn't have body cams, which there's evidence to say that body cams obviously don't fix everything, but they do provide more information. Um, so legislation to require and provide body cams to all police departments in the state, stuff like that. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens, you know. I don't like it. I know Eric, you and I were talking about it. And one of the questions is like, you know, what's the goal of these boycotts? And I, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know if the Bucks need to have a stated goal. They can just be upset with the th- way things are. And that's how they voice their concern is this isn't right. So why should I keep playing if this thing is wrong? Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky thing because the cynic in me wants to be, like, no, well, the cynic in me wants to be, wants to say stuff like, how many other, have these NBA teams ever taken a day off uh, after a police officer is killed in the line of duty? Or have they ever taken a day off when there's been a murder in a community that they have a connection to? Like, and that's the cynic in me. But, Part of me is is I see kind of a a pattern. Oh man, I don't want to like step in the wrong direction, but a pattern of hypocrisy. And I tweeted about it earlier. Um, <clears throat> MLS took games off this weekend for the same reason, um, mm-hmm. protesting for social justice. Okay, that term is kind of vague. I think I know what you're talking about, and I unequivocally agree that police should do everything in their power to de-escalate every possible situation. And in my opinion, becoming a police officer means you're volunteering for that task. And you have to volunteer knowing that um, your life should come before anyone else's. That's my opinion. And that includes the life of somebody who's a suspect. Right. Like if we're going to actually have justice in this nation, then we need to bring criminals to justice. And that never that means that they shouldn't necessarily die at the drop of a hat. Right. We should do everything in our power to arrest them without killing them or shooting them, whatever. I I think you kind of get my point. Mm-hmm. But the hypocrisy in my head is I see MLS teams now boycotting. 
And I'm curious if any of those players are going to boycott the 2022 World Cup being held in a country that has massive human rights violations, far worse than anything we're seeing from our police in this country. We're seeing laws in this country that the World Cup will be played in um, that just go against everything we would hold dear about freedom. Are, are they going to boycott that? I mean, even just setting up the World Cup costs the lives of dozens of people who basically given over to slave labor to build these arenas and stadiums. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of taking a step back and saying, how, how far are a lot of these athletes willing to take their particular stance and say, no, I'm boycotting this, all these injustices. Obviously, we know the NBA is not going to boycott anything China-related. They won't. And we know that. We yeah. saw that last year. Okay, so we know there's there's this double standard, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of frustrating because the players boycotted. And I'm sure the owners said, listen, if you're not going to play the rest of your games, you will not get paid. We can't pay you. Mm -hmm. and, and three days later, they're back playing basketball again as if in three days we solved all the problems we know we haven't i mean we, like you said the bucks got wisconsin politicians to the table that's great so but I, here's here's my question and and i don't know if this is for you eric or just in general but like if if these players are you know upset and they're trying to get the word out and everything are you are you questioning their motives for sitting out, or are you saying that if you need to be upset about this racial injustice in this country in this instance, do you need to be upset about all racial injustice everywhere across the world? Because it, that's a big ask to to chase down every single wrongdoing. Of every person, I know that's a so that's no. Too much. I get your question. I, I get it. I, I don't expect NBA players to be boycotting some stupid law in Turkey. But see, the NBA is not being asked to go play in Turkey. They are being asked to play in China. Right. So a couple years ago, the NCAA pulled games from what South Carolina or North Carolina because they mm -hmm. they passed a law about you know, genders in certain bathrooms, right? So yeah. the NCAA said, we're not going to play games there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if, if you have no, if you're not doing business in a particular place, it makes no sense to boycott that place. But if you're being asked to go play games in China and China is committing massive human rights violations, you're, you're within your, that you should say something, Right. Like, that's why the NBA players are saying something now, because this is what's happening at home. And I'm not disagreeing with that statement or that, that idea. I see it happening. I get it. We need to fix something. I think we disagree about what we need to fix and how we need to fix it. But if MLS players, uh, some of whom might end up on national, international teams playing in the World Cup in 2022, um, going to a country in which... 
it would be illegal for any of any of them to be gay, any of them to drink alcohol, any of them to to like, you know, the the list of things that they can do in this country that they would be imprisoned indefinitely for in Qatar. I mean, it's it's a rap sheet. So you're going to go play the World Cup there. And you're not going to say anything about how that World Cup was brought to be or what that country does with its human rights. Yeah. That's where I have a little bit of an issue. Yeah, but Jesse Owens didn't boycott the 36 games in Berlin either. No, he right? didn't. But he, yeah, so I get your point there, right? Like he went and he showed that that Hitler was wrong about superiority of his race. Um and he kind of, you know, made his gesture there. And I think that's a good thing. But Jesse Owens also didn't boycott anything in, in the United States, mm-hmm. as far as I but know. But he also didn't have any agency to boycott anything in the United yeah, States. Maybe not. He, didn't, he didn't have the voice to boycott stuff in the United States in the 30s. And I think that's the difference, is that athletes are not just athletes anymore. And I think a lot of people like to say, shut up and dribble. Or, or shut up and play. We don't pay you to have political opinions. It's like, yeah, but this isn't 1950s America anymore. Athletes are the influencers in our culture. And I think if they speak out on something, people, especially younger people, are going to listen to them. Um, and while I understand, and I, I generally agree, I think how the NBA handled the the issue with China last year, especially with Hong Kong, um, was wrong. But I don't think LeBron James is under any obligation to have to be morally consistent in that regard. Because to him, what matters is Black Lives Matter, not free Hong Kong. And until, in his mind, they deal with Black Lives and Black Lives Matter... He's probably not going to put a lot of energy into free Hong Kong because that's Hong Kong's problem. He wants to deal with the problem in his own backyard. That would be my guess, at least. Yeah. I I like the way you put that, Jake. I I don't think I agree, but I like the way you put that. I mean, um, the fact that, yeah, he's got his thing that's near and dear to his heart. But when you use the word... Uh, morally consistent, you kind of, in, in order to be moral, in order to be upright, and that's why I always use the word disingenuous with LeBron James. I can't stand him. He comes off as fake to me. So if you're going to be this social justice warrior and all that kind of thing and, you know, take on that burden of telling everybody how to feel about something, you kind of need to be consistent about that. Because it comes off as, you know, oh, I'm just trying to make my price go up by, you know, talking about these things. Um, I think he has some very selfish motives with it as well. I don't think his motives are entirely pure. And and I, he may, and I'm not going to argue that point, but I, I do think... It's funny, my wife and I, this was several months ago, had this discussion about Susan B. Anthony because there's those who say, while she was a great champion for women's rights, she didn't uh, also advocate for African-American rights um, at the same time, which I don't necessarily agree with. But 
Um, what what don't I, you I understand agree with? the point. Well, because she was a Quaker and and her family was abolitionists, but um, basically the so, the uh, argument. Okay, so you don't agree that she wasn't an abolitionist? Yeah. Well. Okay. She, yeah, they, they're saying when she was advocating for the right to the vote suffrage, she wasn't advocating for the right for black women to vote or black people and their right to suffrage. She was only advocating for white women's right to suffrage. And the point being made was, it's not that she was against those things, but is that I think in her mind, she was saying, let's fix this injustice, getting women the right to vote. And then once we have that injustice resolved, we'll move on to the next one, which would be suffrage for all, including African Americans. Yeah. And, um, I, and I, I understand that focus. And I think what Cameron's kind of saying is, um, or, or what I would see is, I, I totally agree. LeBron wants to focus on what he wants to focus on. Black Lives Matter, working in communities. We've seen some of the work that he's done in communities. That's great. It's not that he wants to do that and then move on to Hong Kong. It's then when asked about Hong Kong and asked about Chinese human rights violation, he's just like, he just brushed it off. When he could have well, said, yeah, that. that's wrong, but I, I'm... I have other things I'm working on right now. And not only that, he has a lot more incentive to ignore human rights injustice in China than he does in the United States when it comes to money. Sure. But most people that bring up, and I'm not saying you guys, but most people that bring up, well, yeah, well, what about this in Qatar? What about this in China? They're not using that as a call to actually go solve the human rights issues in China. They're using that as a call to dismiss the argument about Black Lives Matter. And it's like, you're not actually going to go fix the human rights issues in China. And if we can't fix the issues in our own backyard, why are we calling for this, in a sense, crusade across the world? Yeah, and, and I can speak for all three of us in saying that, yeah, we all believe that black lives matter and there's no pushback to that or anything. It's just the, I don't need to be told how to feel by LeBron, who's got a lot of skin in the game, who's got a lot of money to make in that, you know, by, by being a quote unquote activist. And all these people are giving him all this praise and all this, um, you know, these accolades for speaking up and, and speaking his mind or any, and everything. But I would argue that his opinion is a popular opinion. It's not as if he's um, going against public opinion or the media or any... In order to, to be like a Muhammad Ali or a social justice warrior, you have to have an unpopular opinion. And I don't believe that LeBron's opinion necessarily is unpopular. It's the right opinion quote-unquote, but it's it's not an unpopular one. So I don't know what kind of sacrifice... I, I don't know why we're making a, such a big deal of giving him accolades for speaking up oh. about this. Okay, well, let's maybe not focus on LeBron because the person that started this boycott was George Hill for the Bucks. He was the one that said, I'm not playing today. And then when his teammates found out, they said, well, if you're not playing, we're not playing. And then from there, the Magic said, well, we're not going to take a forfeit for this. And then from there, the whole league. And then actually some of the MLB and then MLS. So it cascaded from George Hill saying, 
to me, to like personally, this is not right. And I'm not going to play basketball when my brothers and sisters are being shot by police in the back. And then yeah. from there, it cascaded into this whole other thing. And LeBron jumped onto that. And, you know, so, you can yeah, my, my, look at my it curiosity there is, is obviously George Hill was willing to not play in a game that mattered in, in, as far as the NBA goes, right? Mm-hmm. He was not willing to get paid for that game. His teammates then were willing to forfeit a game. Yep. And his teammates were willing to forfeit their paychecks from that game. Okay. You go over to Orlando. They are, for whatever reason, unwilling to get the win. Because they could have just taken it, right? Mm-hmm. They then make the sacrifice. They're not going to get paid for that game. They're not going to take the easy win. Because they agree with the, uh, with the Bucks. <clears throat> and then the other teams kind of cascade in that somewhere along the line. And I don't even know if the line really is within the NBA, but somewhere along the line, maybe outside the NBA, um, there, there was a line that was crossed in which people weren't doing it because they didn't feel right playing the game to, I want to make sure everyone knows what side I'm on, you know? And not that anyone's like on the wrong side, but I'm sure there are people totally willing to play games this week who would have, but due to all of the social pressure that goes with this, again, that's not necessarily making this an, uh, a bad movement, but people went along because they didn't want to be on the wrong side of it, right? Like the NHL, I think that was on Thursday. They played, and they got raked through the coals by the media. Then they didn't play on Friday and Saturday, and their ratings dropped since then because the fans were like, we wanted you to play the games. Um, That's just kind of an interesting social experiment to see how people, how and when people respond to something like this in terms of their boycotts, right? <clears throat> are they jumping on a bandwagon or are they really bought in? Well, I, yeah, I guess you're always going to have people that are yeah, pressured to do the right thing, whether or not they're doing it for altruistic motives. Or, so, or really not pressure to do the right thing, pressure to do sure. the popular thing, whether or okay. not it's right or wrong. Right? Here's, so, here's the difference, though is I think LeBron is garnering a lot more praise than George Hill is. Because up until Eric said Just that now, oh, I George, didn't know it was Hill George Hill was Jake. started this, I, I had no idea. So, yeah, I, I, I have no problem with George Hill if, if he feels like he needs to do that. But LeBron's the one that's just getting showered with all this praise. And I, I don't know his heart. I don't know what, what he's thinking. But he has a lot of incentive to not be pure in in his intentions there. Yeah, I guess. But until I see something otherwise, I'm not going to assume that he's just doing it for selfish reasons. And even if he is, he's supporting the movement. Like, I, I guess that doesn't bother me because 
lots of movements have people that just become hangers on or join the bandwagon, um, even if they don't actually do it for quote unquote the right reasons. So that I, I don't know that that's less of a deal breaker for me than I know it is for some. Yeah, and 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 the given is that I can't stand LeBron James. So I mean, obviously that's <laughs> yeah, <wild to> there. <laughs> let's just be honest. It's uh, we don't like him. Yeah, if it were Kobe, it'd be totally fine. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, never mind. That's a dark joke. Yeah. All right. Honestly, well, everything now... everything downhill since that day. Everything. Oh, since Kobe died? He got out in time. What was it? February? February January 26th. January. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you want to talk about. You want to talk about some lighter, like politics or something? I mean, sports apparently is the heavy topic. Yeah. Sports is the... So... So, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to go down the road of of more sports since we all know that and everything. What in the world is happening in college football right now? Because I hear <laughs> Pac-12 is done. But the Big Ten a, might come back. A football game that was played last last night or something, um, like the opening uh, game of the uh, of college football. Who's playing? Who's not? What's happening in college football? Okay, well. Originally, it was the Pac-12 and the Big Ten were not going to have a season until at least the spring. But then then the SEC, and I think mainly just Alabama, said, no, we're playing. Nick Saban said, the SEC is playing. (laughs) And they're all like, whatever you say, Nick. But um, the SEC is playing as long as they could get two other conferences, two, uh, two of the other Power Five conferences to join them. So I think the Big... 10 or sorry the big 12 and the acc joined them so you had the three playing and the two not playing but now the big 10 saying well maybe we will play a season in the fall and i think the pac-12 is still saying no we're not going to play so notre dame doing because they they were affiliated with the acc for i think they're having a season last i saw yeah they're they're jumping in with the acc i think yeah okay so and here's something though like I mean, I love watching college football, but I honestly do not care. Like, I don't care that the Big Ten is not playing this year. And even if they do come back, I'm not going to care. I don't know. It doesn't move the needle for me at all. It was Austin, PA, and Central Arkansas that played. Oh, two powerhouses then. Yeah. Okay. They're like, we we got a shot at the the title this year. Yeah. But what an opportunity if if you're a if you're in a conference that is not particularly popular, um, not one of the, the the power five conferences, and you've or or you're you're one of those conferences and you're one of the smaller teams. I mean, you have an opportunity to capture market, uh, television market, and get your name out there when it's it's not being filled up with all the other teams. Yeah, yeah, quite an opportunity. It, you know, like. When the Big Ten, if the Big Ten is shut down, well, then you got Central Michigan and they play football, you know, and, and they'd have a chance to get some of that TV that's revenue. What they say on their website, yeah. Central Michigan, we play football. Yeah, that's <laughs> the official. <laughs> that, if they change their motto to that, it might help. <laughs> but 
you know, I, I, I agree. I think of all those kids out there that are, you know, on a football scholarship that don't really intend to spend a lot of brain power in class, let's say. And, you know, for a for a 19-year-old that is it's quite on a, a football scholarship, he's going to have to finish up school, actually pass it, and wait another year to do that. You know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Hey, how many of those kids are actually going to make it through school without benefits of the team helping well, them and tutors and that kind of thing? And Think about... Think about the cascade effect here, right? So <clears throat> right. you have all these uh, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Maybe they redshirted, whatever. They don't play this year, so they get a redshirt year, right? Everyone gets a little waiver. Mm-hmm. But next year, let's say everything's back to semi-normal. Everyone's going to play. you got all those four classes of guys plus incoming freshmen. Your your yeah. player pool is now twenty percent larger, yeah, or twenty five percent larger. Yeah, all so, those commits that you made promises to. Yeah, I mean it. It so a couple yeah. things happen. It, it cascades in terms of if you're a big school with a great program, you keep you know the cream of the crop. If you're not cream of the crop anymore, in one of those programs, you just shuffle down to another program. Where you're just going to bump somebody who wasn't, who is good enough for you know, uh, what's the uh, D one two? Mm. Right. What's oh, that like the second? FCS. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you know, you're just going to bump some of those guys down, and those guys in might. So you're going to have this cascading effect, right? Um, that I don't know if it'll improve the quality of play because it's going to really goof up a lot of teams. Um, but the quality of player is going to increase because you're going to have a bigger player pool. Yeah. I, I do think that is, uh, the I mean, the, the problem is, is, is that it's somebody's going to get left out in the cold. I mean, that's going to happen. There's going to be a bunch of players that are going to wind up, you know, kind of yeah. getting the short end of the stick, but that's the reality of the situation. I, I do think at least when I saw the big 10 saying is that, and I would assume all the Power Five conferences would follow this, but they said um, they would honor the scholarships to everybody. They wouldn't yeah. revoke your scholarship because you couldn't play this year. Um, so hopefully they would be able to find some solution like that that mm-hmm. would at least help mitigate some of the pain that a lot of these uh, athletes are going to kind of have to deal with. Not, not to mention the coaches who usually have these kids 10 months out of the year on campus, 10 months out of the year on a schedule uh, with campuses shut down. You know, now you've got these guys. The question is, do we send them home or do we do everything we can to keep them on campus? Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think of what coach it was. I saw talking about this. Um, Basically said, we want to keep them on campus because then we can still help these guys keep a disciplined schedule, keep their diet, Mm -hmm on track keep them working like you know because if we just send these guys home they might not be from a great household their home life might be terrible they might be in a situation where they're not eating enough they're not doing things worthwhile they're not getting their work done you know here we have control so and and 
you know, the other end of the spectrum is like the really, really good players, the Trevor Lawrence's and that, that kind of thing for, for Clemson. He might actually benefit from not playing a full year of college football. He's going to stay healthy. He's going to work out. He's going to do mm-hmm. even better in the combine and, and maybe be readier for the NFL than he normally would be. So with less miles on him. Let's see. So he was he was uh, what intending to play this year? I think he's a junior and he was going to play. Yeah. So if he doesn't play, does he then play next year? Or does he go into the draft this year? As he, I, I don't know what intended. the rules are, Jake. Maybe you know, but like I think you have to be three years out of high school, school in order to be eligible for the NFL. Yeah, right? so he could he could declare if he's a junior this year, he could declare for the draft. And but yeah, next he'd be year. a fool to come back. I'd say. I mean, he's the consensus number one pick. He's going to be a hundred percent healthy. He can prep for the combine all year long. But if he Why doesn't play, if he doesn't play. And uh, two other Power Five conference players do play this year. Or well, he two can, other, I mean, he like, still has it, until March or April to figure that out. But yeah, I mean, but let's say some some of those conferences play ball in the fall, and some other guys really stand out, and suddenly it's in question. Yeah, he could not declare and say, "I want another year to show the NFL what I can yeah. do." I um, I do think in the trend, and it's not like it's huge, but I do think there's a trend saying that a lot more draft eligible, eligible juniors declare for the draft because they know, like uh, Fournette did that. Um, you know, they know the money; they want the money in hand. Then supposedly, the money they might get by waiting a year. Whereas Barkley, right? Matt Barkley would have been a top five pick. But he waited another year, and then his draft stock dropped considerably. Um, so I think a lot of savvy juniors, even if even if their stock drops a little bit, if they're still in the first round, I would think that they'd want to declare and get that first round money, then risk losing that, trying to move up a couple spots. Um, right. But who knows? I think it is going to be interesting because scouts, NFL scouts, are going to have a a lost year of basically film with at least two of the conferences not playing. But, you know, like you said, that gives a lot of opportunities to those mid-major conferences and those, you know, FCS teams. Um, And obviously the SEC will do what the SEC does and ACC and Big 12 as well. But I think there's a lot of, I mean, it'll be interesting to see for sure. But I don't know. It's one last thought I had was, it's so funny is we're so wrapped up talking about is college football coming back and it's almost secondary. Well, like what about college classes? Like, are those going to come back? Like theoretically, yeah, theoretically Uh, college is about getting a degree, (laughs) like, but that's not where the money is. Yeah. But I mean, my pushback to that would be you can go to college online, but you can't play football online. Uh, Madden 21. Yeah, you can. Which has gotten rave reviews so far. Esports, by the way. Heisman's in his season. Yeah. Esports, by the way. Like, they should really be taken off right now. But I have students, though, um, who are on campus at Baylor. Yeah. Now, so 
Yeah. I don't know. And the CDC quietly dropped a bomb today. Mm-hmm. Just quietly. Shh. Right. It's, it's not a big deal. Just shh. Crickets from the media. Not to too. mention. Here, okay. What so was that bomb? Because clearly I didn't, it was so quiet I didn't hear about it. Only, so. only 6% of COVID-related deaths were only covid meaning 94% of COVID-related deaths had a comorbidity. Uh, and of those uh, COVID-related deaths, they the average was 2.6 other, like, um, related conditions. Or, sorry, uh, underlying conditions. So of the of the the people who've died of COVID, ninety six ninety six percent of them had a two point six had two point six on average two point six other underlying conditions going along with it, um, which is it, it's an interesting piece of data. Basically, I'll say. <laughs> I mean, again, like Jake pointed out on Twitter a while back, like. Even so, we're still talking about a lot of these people dead. The the manner of death may not be great. The fact that somebody died sooner, earlier in the year than later in the year isn't, it doesn't make anyone feel any better, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but it was just interesting that they quietly dropped that. Meanwhile, in California on Friday, the system we had in place to watch our counties, our county watch list, and our county was quickly approaching the number under which we had to get to file a waiver for schools to reopen. Uh, and then we were quickly approaching the number under which everything could just reopen up. On Friday, they just were like, that system we're going to scrap for a different system that's going to be stricter. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, everything's just going to take longer. And, you know, it's stricter. And a lot of people say, well, that's good. But what was going to be everything slowly reopening in California through the month of September will easily now take into October and November. Mm-hmm. And that's without me talking about my conspiracy theory, theory on that. So Okay. I, I do think regarding the CDC thing that you said there with the comor- core comorbidity and underlying conditions. Is, it is. A, it's a tough one. But... You know, I saw something on Twitter, I guess not the CDC thing, but some other staff, you know, graph that said basically kind of what you just said. And the only thing I could compare it to personally for me was, as you know, my mom passed away several years ago and she passed away from cancer. So had she been living in the time of COVID, there's a good chance she would have died several months earlier Um, from that. Had she died with COVID and obviously cancer was the thing that ultimately took her, but she died those several months earlier Then she wouldn't have met my daughter. Yeah. So she wouldn't have met my firstborn and she would have died in isolation. Like I couldn't be there with her and my stepdad couldn't be there with her. And I think that's something that doesn't make it into the numbers necessarily is that while those numbers say, well, they would have died anyway. Yes, that's probably true. But the manner in which they died and the things they would have missed even in those few months is significant. And I think that's something, you know, it's not 
it's not like the official toll, but it's something that is just as important to those affected by it. Yeah, I mean, there's you could you could say like how many of us are alive today, literally because of the lockdowns, because we weren't driving around for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, how many of us are alive today because we haven't started on chemotherapy that uh, for a cancer that we have growing in us because we haven't gone to the doctor in six months? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many of us are alive today for a whole variety of reasons? Um, it's Yeah, it's just one of those things. Plus, I mean, you're talking about, you know, someone would have died in isolation. And that's kind of the case of things now, even though we have no problem. And in some places, we're actually encouraging people to be out in the streets while we can't have funerals for people who died of COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, we have those contradictory things, which I, I know some people are being driven up the wall about, but. Um, you guys should go out and trademark those ideas immediately because that, that's got a movie written all over it, you know, to, to think about the butterfly, butterfly effect of, you know, yeah, how many people would have died in a car wreck and using your example there, Eric, you could, I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole with some scenarios there. What if? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of, like you, like you said, there's just a lot of other things that this whole it's not just about covid anymore there's so many other things that you don't think about until it's changed or until it's gone um that this is really illuminated for me personally so but yeah i i I do think that's an interesting thing and it is funny right when when big news gets released it always gets released on a friday afternoon or during the weekend so that the big media doesn't pick up on it um, and make it part of the everlasting news cycle that we have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but when I see that, I can't help but think of, I I get angry when I think about that, you know, because how many people needlessly lost a job or how many people needlessly were out of work or just, you know, that, that goes the other way too. Um, Mm -hmm. It just, it's heartbreaking for people who, you know, in my industry has been absolutely killed by, you know, COVID and and all the things that have happened. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's two sides of it for sure. But um, that my predominant emotion when I read that CDC news was anger, like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so we started our distance learning this week, which was a wild week. And and we were prepared at our school. Like we had we had taken time to work with our tools and it still was like a every moment was this like high intensity moment where we're like hoping every tool works. We're trying to still, like, we know how a tool works, but we haven't really tried it with students. We haven't tried it with 25, 50 students, actually. Mm-hmm. So, like, Monday, like, we got to, like, noon, and my wife and I were, were partner teachers, and we're just, we both sit down, 
after teaching four classes, sit down and we're just like, our, our brains were just mush. Because yeah. we're, we're, we're teaching to a, a, an iPad. That's our camera. The other teachers on a computer, like chatting with students, like it's, it's a really cool team teaching effort because we have two teachers in the classroom doing this. So that's a really cool component. But we got halfway through the day. We're just like, man, we're toast. And then we had the second half of the day. By the end of the week, it was like things were just clicking, right? But still, it felt like a month of school just went by. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just a whole new level of trying to wrap our minds around what tools we're using and how to best use them and then trying to just straighten out our heads at every what you're moment. What you're describing reminds me of when I started student teaching and how I'd spent all this time preparing yeah. to teach and I had all these, you know, what is it? My pedagogy and oh, yeah. all this schema and all these curricula and all this stuff. And I'm like, and all you right. sit and down with like, your, your first cooperating teacher. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then you're like, and you get into it and you're like, I'm not ready for anything. Like, yeah. and I feel yeah. like what you were describing is like, we spent all summer preparing and then now you get into it and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is exhausting. And that's yeah. just kind of reminds it, me of it that. It really reminds me of um, all quiet on the Western front. You know, they go through all the drills, Okay. you know, from an, they go through all the drills. They learn like how to use their bayonet and they, everything's like proper. And then they get to the front and it's, uh, Ernest Bornine is playing the, uh, the sergeant. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they put their bayonets on. He's like, what are you doing? Like, take that off. Like you stick that in a man. You got to take like 30 seconds to pull it out of his chest. No, no. Grab your mm -hmm. shovel. You hit him in the side of the neck. Like there's a whole other way to do things. And it's like when yeah. you finally get into it, it's like, oh, oh, so I actually have to cobble this. Even with all the preparation and training, I still have to like get into the trenches, get my get covered in mud and actually figure this thing out. I do love that. Go ahead. There's some districts in our area that gave their teachers the login information for their new tools on the Friday before the Monday that school started. That was the first time those teachers had to log in and use their tools. They had one day to train before they were live with students or, or distance with students. Mm -hmm. you know, it's just I, wild. I, I love that as teachers were sitting around comparing teaching to all quiet on the Western front. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Warfare. So thank you for bringing that up, Cameron. Isn't it? You know, take it, taking bullets. Oh, I did. I give you a great teaching analogy to student you teaching, think, and Eric says, "You know what? We're going to World War One." You think <laughs> teachers <laughs> teachers aren't rocking back and forth in a corner of their room every time they think they hear a student on did, the camera? I, did you have trench foot by Wednesday? Is that what happened, Eric? Oh, you, you want to see my feet? <laughs> no, no, I do not. Mustard gas is the. Uh, the Axe body spray that the junior high boys always put well, on. Well, they're not in person, so. But yeah, well, that would be the, that going for you. That would be the mustard gas. Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> so. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to change when we do come back in person. 
it's going to change how I even like teach World War One. Like I can't do diplomacy because that requires students to like stand around and whisper with each other, and that's that's a big no-no, right? Yeah. But, but I mean, I might, I might as well just have the whole simulation work similarly. So by the end of it, half of them get sick. Just like the end of World War One, right? When they got Spanish flu. Uh, that's gotta that's be kind real. Of racist. But Influenza of from nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Xenophobic. That's what I'm looking for. Well, you know, it started in nineteen seventeen, and it ended World War Two, according to our fearless leader in the White House. Is that what so, he said? Yeah. Yeah, he is the Spanish, fearless, isn't he? This, he is fearless. <laughs> yeah, he is else. the He's most fearless. fearless man I've ever seen. You know who's a other who else is a fearless? You know who's a fearless moron? I can't wait to hear this. Ted Wheeler, mayor of Portland, who came oh, out yeah? today and said all of this is Trump's fault. All this violence in Portland is Trump's fault. It's like, dude, yeah. dude, Trump just said, "I will give you the National Guard." And you said no. And then somebody gets executed in the street. But no, no, you do you, Ted. He did not just say, I will give you the National Guard. Uh, I mean, yeah. isn't that what he said? No, let me go read the letter. No. No, no. I'll read the letter. Not give you the National Guard. I wouldn't give it when did, to that. When moron. did he say this? He, he said it, he sent a tweet and said, "Give me a call if you want the you know National Guard backup. Give me a call." Yeah. Well, okay. No, he what sent I an find... official. I'm trying to find the. Uh... Yeah, because yeah, Ted Wheeler's like, stay away of Wheeler. That was pretty bold. Yeah, he's using he... curse words and blaming Trump. For, for a city that's basically been burning for a hundred days. Whatever. I'm just trying to find... So this is the first thing Trump's ever said about Portland? Like he didn't... Send, I may have said something before. He didn't send a bunch of border patrol and... He did. I mean, they Homeland were Security agents into Portland I, they and were, just started they were arresting ass- people without they were assaulting. cause. Well... Without cause, and, and he didn't just start throwing them into vans without identifying themselves. He, they, Trump didn't do that. He just well, said, he hey, "I'll give you the national guard." He didn't. Ice did. Oh my god! Whoever was. Well, so okay, so there's a couple things. Whoever about that. it was. Whoever we don't even know. Well, just it was whoever Homeland it was. Security, right? No, was it Border Patrol or Homeland Security? What? Okay. Well, which agency? It was both. It was both, right? <laughs> so they threw them into vans. The people didn't disappear. They got brought to jail and then were released. Uh-huh. They weren't disappeared. Um, well, I mean, why were they there? Because protesters were burning and assaulting a federal building. And Portland was, police was were told to... Was martial law ever declared no, there? I don't think I mean, so. Under, under martial law, that is... No, they didn't declare martial legal. law. No, Ted Wheeler, he wouldn't have declared martial law. He told the police to stand down. Trump didn't declare martial law there? No, he, he all he did was he sent DHS and ICE to, I think, kind of protect the federal facility there. Mm-hmm. 
to, to back them up, I guess. But I mean, they're, they're barricading one side of the building and then lighting fires at the other end mm-hmm. of these, of the, well, that was a police precinct the other night. So, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I think the whole thing, first of all, no, I'm not siding with Trump, but I am definitely against Ted Wheeler because I think he's absolutely incompetent yeah, leader. But both people can be wrong. I'm not yes. saying that. But the way you're framing it is like Trump just said, hey, man, do you want the National Guard? <laughs> it's like, no, he did a whole I, lot I'm more tr- than I'm just trying to offer find the National what, Guard. I'm trying to find what Trump actually said to him. Because the letter I saw is actually from the Portland mayor. Uh, okay, he tweets. It. All right, well, I should have figured that Trump just tweeted about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he said the National Guard is ready, willing, and able. All the governor has to do is call. He also said Wheeler is incompetent, much like sleepy Joe Biden. This is not what our great, great country wants. They want safety and security and do not want to defund our police. It's just weird what words he capitalizes like it's almost German in form, except they don't capitalize verbs, and sometimes mm-hmm. he does, and sometimes he doesn't. I don't know what his capital capitalization scheme is. <laughs> I don't know if anybody does. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like you have police; they're not doing anything here. It's frustrating, and I think the frustrating thing is both sides are just really surging away from the center Mm -hmm. right and so that's what makes it so dangerous right like left is going further left and right is going further right and you have a good chunk stuck in the middle whose only real option or only realized option is to either go right or go left and i'm sitting here i'm reading about the spanish civil war First of all, I'm seeing like parallels between this and our own our our Civil War of the 1860s, and that we had all this bloodshed in the 1850s over it, over the big issue, right? It was just all kind of led up to it. You had these small insurrections. You had John Brown, who uh, really was an abolitionist hero, but you know ends up being hung by federal agents, and. And then you've got the Spanish Civil War, which was between fascists and communists. And I'm sure most Spaniards were not fascist or communist, but you had to side with one or the other. You know, if we go down that road, uh, who do we side with? Which side are you picking? Oh, Right, like I mean, that, that's that's the that's the the choice we're given. You're either right or you're left. If you're mm-hmm. left, you're you're BLM, you're communist, you're social justice. If you're right, you're a fascist, you're a theocrat, you're conservative. You know, it's those are the choices. Like that's not what I want. You know, this is eerily reminiscent of our last podcast when we were all talking about the stupid things we've done in the past and it was like Very mom it's either a or b i mean no yeah. other choice there's no other choices <laughs> well i <laughs> that's a good point that's a really good point so those are your two bad, choices cameron what are you going with bad decisions ensue when it <laughs> when you try to make that decision then justify it um 
and and it gets really really ugly when you know to your point eric about how other people get on board and other people start to feel that that um What's the word I'm looking for? The the bandwagon yeah. um, principle. And I read this quote the other day, and I thought it was so profound. And it said, um, dangerous is the man who tries to rationalize his feelings because feelings aren't rational. You know, and they start to not only rationalize that, but justify that. And facts and don't go, care about them, do they? What's that? Facts don't care about them. Exactly. So when you start to feel that way and then you rationalize it and you justify it, and, oh, I was fine because this is how I felt, you know, you can really easily get into that left or right, you know, polarizing situation. I thought it was just really poignant for what's going on in the world right now. So I, I, uh, I know Jake and I talked about this a few days ago, and we had these events the past few this week, right? Mm-hmm. So... We had Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha. And again, the information coming out, that's the 17-year-old who shot three people. Two of them died. The information coming about out about that since the day that happened. Like every day it's something new and it's like, it's changing it. And Jake made a good point. He probably shouldn't have been there. It's like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have. But... When, when you're, you're given that choice between, you're kind of stuck. It's like, no, he shouldn't have been there, but nobody else acted correctly either in that situation. And then you go to Portland, and I hear the same argument about the victim in Portland. He shouldn't have been there. It's like, well, this is where we get stuck because it's like, I didn't want any of those people to get shot or killed. I also don't want to tell anyone, you just shouldn't go to places. You should just stay home forever. Like, we haven't said that to anyone in the past four months. You should just stay home. Or we've said that to everybody, except for a select few. And it's getting frustrating because we're, we're picking winners and losers in all these situations, and it's all political. I'm not making a political argument for why he shouldn't have been there. No, I, no, no. I, I get that. But yeah, but that yeah. was that was the argument I see. Kyle should not have been there because, because of basically the side that he was on. The guy who got shot in Portland shouldn't have been there because of the side he was on. Yeah. Like I'm okay and, with I'm okay with protesters and counter protesters on opposite sides of the street. I think that's fine. I think that's a great exercise well, in your first amendment yeah. right but i i think when regardless when it becomes violent then nobody's right <laughs> so i i think in the case of kyle rittenhouse what he did was wrong i don't think he should have been there because i don't know where he got that gun i don't know how he why he came across state lines to decide to protect property so he was in the wrong but the people antagonizing him were in the wrong. Yeah. The guy that this so, skateboard was in the wrong. The guy that was swinging the skateboard at him was in the wrong. The Portland situation, I haven't read anything about yet, but I, I do understand it was a clash yeah. between Patriot Prayer and the pro, the protesters there. Um, but so here here's what yeah. even since you and I talked about the Kyle situation, uh, 
he didn't cross state lines with a gun. He was working as a lifeguard in Kenosha that day. Worked as a lifeguard. After that, he went and cleaned graffiti with some of his friends from work. After that, one of their friends, I don't know if it was someone they knew, said their uh, their dealership is in that area. He says, some of us were going to go down there and just stand guard. And he said, all right. So the guns were actually Wisconsin guns. Um, again. But he doesn't have a permit that, to carry them. Uh, I I don't know what the, the, the law is there. I think you have to have a permit to carry yeah. open so, carry in Wisconsin. So again, I, and I don't know because he... Doesn't that if, only apply to handguns, Jake? And I'm not a Wisconsin guy. But Well, I mean, it's been a while since I was a Wisconsin guy, sadly. But yeah. The way I understood it, it, is you have to have a you have to have a permit to open carry. In I would Wisconsin. say he he honestly if if they if they reciprocate reciprocate with Illinois, he probably has one from Illinois, from what I understand. I mean he's pretty well trained and took his and and to be honest, I think he fired fewer shots than the police officer in the Jacob Blake situation. If you've seen the videos, I mean he didn't unload anything. He took one shot. Yeah. And as soon as the person relented, it was over. And the one guy was pulling a gun out. Um, again, probably not the right choice. I know when I was 17, I wasn't making good choices. Um, I, I, I'm i not sure how, I, like I would say I wouldn't want to put my 17-year-old son, I wouldn't let him go into that situation. Um, so that was probably a bad choice. But once you're in it, I guess that's where it gets tricky, right? If you're in it and you're being assaulted like that, that's where it gets kind of blurry. It shouldn't have been there. The guys with the handgun shouldn't have been there. In Portland, it was a little bit different. Um, it's tricky because there's footage of it. Um, you hear some people call out, we've got one here. We've got a trumper here. And then there's two shots. And there's no evidence of self-defense there. It was just they found somebody... And just shot him. So, but this is where it's like, well, I either side with Kyle or I side with the protesters, right? It's like, why can't I just say neither? Not the protesters; these were looters. Why? Why do I have to side with either? Or why can't I side with both? And so we're stuck. You're either on Team Kyle or you're on t- Team, uh, you know, the three guys he shot all had records. So, you know. We're being told we have to side with one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the problem. That's a problem, one of the problems. And that's where, yeah. um, if this stuff stuff doesn't de-escalate soon, and again, the pandemic and the shutdowns are exacerbating all this. Uh, I'm not sure what November fourth looks like. Well, yeah, I mean that's an an interesting point. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like either, but I would like to think that it's not going to be anarchy as has been bandied about um, quite a bit. I, I I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be pockets of unrest, but again, I think. I think it's interesting. I think something you brought up with, with the exacerbation by the pandemic and the shutdowns 
and how it's exasperating all these issues. And I think not only is it doing that, but it's kind of exposing a lot of these underlying issues in a way that hasn't been exposed before. Yeah. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I do think largely, and maybe this is just my optimism, is that largely the country will recover from this. I remember reading an article a year or two ago how in the late 60s to early 70s, there was 4,000 bombings in the United States from various militant groups, 4,000 bombings all across the country. Not from extremists from across the ocean, but domestic yeah. terrorists. Yeah. And yet, somehow we recovered from that. And so I think, similarly, this has been a trying year for sure. But I do think it's one that we will recover from um, and get back to some semblance of normalcy, um, for lack of a better term. If not, are you prepared to found a new nation with me if it all falls that nation's going to be me in a cabin in the woods fishing that's going to be the nation of jake that's a start right (laughs) no i'm not going to found a new nation like well i mean in the ashes of our current one is what i'm saying oh yeah sure no i'll i'll become a petty king over my little area i was hoping to found a republic but okay we can do that too (laughs) So, no. Now, if everything goes crazy, I'm seriously, I'm just going to be like, eh, it was nice. I'm going to go hang out in the woods for a while and catch you guys in a year or two. So, that's my plan. But that's also my, like, my my retirement plan is I just want to, like, live in the woods in a cabin. So, that's not much different. So, I would just take retirement early, basically, is what would happen. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I was okay. going to say. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. Mm-hmm. So. We'll still right. do the podcast even then, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But totally. The, the people need to hear these things. <laughs> the people. <laughs> we'll still Zoom. We'll still do Zoom meeting podcasts. I'm yeah, excited. We've done, we've done good hiding our locations generally, so. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we move about, you know? Yeah. I mean, one week I'm in Boise. Who knows where I'll it be next week? It just sounds like you're, just sounds like you're from New York. Like it should be Bursey, but you're just like Boise. <laughs> Boise. <laughs> like it's spelled Bursey, but you're like Boise. I'm going to Boise. Like Boise. <laughs> yeah. Like new New Boise. New Boise. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. So, oh, one last thing. Oh, uh, political, but funny political. When I was watching the Democratic convention, one thing I really loved about it is that they had D20 as their logo, which just kept reminding me of Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Yeah. So So they got that crowd. Know, yeah. The tabletop role playing game crowd. <laughs> <laughs> they own it now. They locked those votes up. Yeah. So that's all. I just want to see one state. And it totally depends on who, which state, based on who wins the election. Just one state be like, we're going to secede. And just see how everyone like tenses up. Like everyone's like, it's LARPing all this, like the looting and the, the walking around with guns. 
Like as soon as the state says we're going to secede, everyone's just like uh, and clenches up. And like yeah, we're not. None of us want that. Like mm-hmm. depends on the it. state. I mean, oh, if it's yeah. like California or New York or Texas, that's a big deal. But if it's like the eastern counties of Kansas, nobody's going to care. Like eh, yeah, but okay. if it's a big state, that's the thing. If it's California, all the eastern counties are going to be like, nah, we're good. Like California, like, we're seceding, and half of California, area wise, will be like, "No, we're not." Yeah. Like we'll yeah. secede away from you, kind of like West Virginia did. Um, it's like an inception yeah. secession. Oh yeah, oh, secession yeah. within the secession. Oh, Fifty-one God. states. Great. I just so we're we gonna we're we gonna live broadcast the election night. I would love to do that. Okay, I, we have to it. figure it out. That would be you in for that, Cameron? I'm down. The technology's awesome. there. Yeah, move over, Stephanopoulos. We're coming to town. Yeah, you know we can we can practice our like jaw dropping reactions to whatever happens. Who's going to be the Chris Christie? Me? I'll do it. What did he do? Hey, I was he's just, just going to do the, the Rachel Maddow like I cannot believe what's happening. Okay. We need to pick our sides beforehand for sure. You know we need to have a. a Wow. Eric, we, we, to say. we spent an yeah. entire episode talking about we need to stop taking sides. Let truth. We gotta us. drive okay. the ratings, Eric. Drive you the can, ratings. No, Eric, you can root for Joe Jorgensen. That's fine. That can be your third option. <laughs> Cameron and I will pick red or blue. You can go. Yeah. Can I Love pick it. who's who? No, you oh, can't so pick you, who's you who. get to choose your candidate, and you get to choose our candidate. Too. Yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah, no, that sounds like. That but sounds I'm great. listen. I'm going to be picking from the bottom of the ballot for you too. So I'm going to get Evan Mullen from Utah or something like that. Sure, I know who he is. <laughs> he got like 20 percent of the vote in Utah in 2016, I think. Really? I don't know yeah. who he is. I lied. He's a. I don't know. He ran for president, got 20% of the vote in Utah. That's all I know. So, all right. Well, yes, we will live stream the election somehow. Can't wait. And give our sterling commentary to it. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, all right. Well, I think that's all we got for this. Definitely. Because yeah. Mr. Hoffman is yawning right now. Yeah. Um, this episode of Dad Bod History After Dark. Mm. I'm Jake. After Dark. I'm Eric. <laughs> See you guys next time.